bit of the Word of God tonight to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. We want to read from verse 14, which is the parable of the talents. And Jesus speaking said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. And I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I, do not, where I have not gathered scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to every one who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast, into, cast the unprofitable servant into the utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. By the way, if you could just pause that just for one second. I just meant to say, my wife's here with me tonight. She wasn't here this All right. <laughs> the parable of the talents. There's a story of two camels, an old camel and a young camel. They're standing talking one day. The young camel said to the old camel, he said, why is it that we have a big hump? And the old camel says, well... That hump helps us whenever we have to travel over long journeys in the desert sands. And that stores up our fat so that we can last for the long journey. The young camel thought for a moment or two. He said, well, why have we big feet? The old camel says, well, our big feet help us when we go on those long journeys in the desert sands because they don't sink into the sand and they're big and broad and we're able to walk great he thought a moment more and he said, uh, why have we big eyelashes? 
Oh, he says, that's easy, those big eyelashes of ours. He says, that's when the desert storms come, he says. And he says, we close our eyes as we walk with our big feet and our hump. And he says, the sand doesn't get into our eyes. So he stopped a moment or two and the old camel said to him, any more questions? He says, I have just one. He says, if that is the case, why are we in this zoo? <laughs> And just as the bird is made to fly in the air and the fish is made to swim in the sea and just as the camel is made to walk in the desert, so are we made to serve in the kingdom of God. God has equipped us. He has designed us for kingdom business. Now, often we find ourselves enclosed, restricted, constricted, like a bird in a cage, like a fish in a tank, even like a camel in a zoo. And we're not doing what we're supposed to do. And we're not being what we're supposed to be. And sometimes we really put ourselves in a box of our own making. We envelop ourselves with things to do. We envelop ourselves with all kinds of stuff of our own making. And the end result is we don't really do what God wants us and has called us to do. And we forget the reason why we've got a big hump and big feet and big eyelashes in the first place. Every single one of us, without exception, has got a role to play in God's kingdom. We're equipped for it. We're designed for it. It's in our spiritual genes. From the moment you are born again, God has put within us, every one of us, something to accomplish for his kingdom. Now this parable we have just read, in fact the one preceding it in the same chapter, the parable of the ten virgins, the five wise and the five foolish. Uh, Jesus spoke these parables in a response to a question that the disciples asked in the previous chapter regarding signs of his return, of his second coming. And he particularly in this parable speaks of a man who goes on a long journey, who goes away for a long time. Now, know that the disciples were anxious about how soon Jesus was coming back. In fact, there's a kind of a parallel parable in Luke 19. Uh, it's called the parable of the pounds. And it's got many similarities, but it's got lots of differences. They are two separate parables, but they're both given for the same idea. And in Luke 19, Jesus uh, you know, had made his triumphal entry. They, they thought he was going to take over. He'd come into his kingdom. He was going to kick the Romans out. It was going to happen right there and then. And he, and he had to show them in a parable, no, that's not going to happen right now. In fact, he was going to go away for a long time before he would return again. And he has been away for a long time. He's been away 2,000 years. But he is returning, thank God. And so, in this particular parable here we've just read, this man's gone away on, for a long time, but he is coming back. And in the meantime, he gives his servant... Uh, various servants talents to use and to trade with so that when he comes back that they will have worked and used and traded with the talents and they can give them uh, back with interest and so behind the scenes of this really what it's talking about is Christ is gone he is coming back 
And meantime, we've got to be good stewards of all that he has given to us. And we've got to work for him. We've got to serve him because he is coming back and he is coming back soon. And so this parable is speaking about stewardship within God's kingdom. And you and I tonight are the stewards. And God has given us talents. Now what does stewardship speak of? Well, first of all, it speaks of privilege. It speaks of privilege. This man gave these men a privilege. He entrusted them with a lot while he was away. Now whom God trusts, he entrusts. God trusts us. In fact, God has no one else to do kingdom business on earth except us. He's not going to send angels to do it. Human beings, ordinary five-eighths people just like you and me tonight. That's who God is going to use. He trusts us to do it. And because he trusts us to do it, he entrusts us with talents, with gifts. In this case, actually, it is with money. Second Peter 1 and 3, Peter says, He has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Ephesians 2, Paul speaks about the exceeding riches of his grace. Ephesians 3, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And Romans 12 and 3, to each of us he's given the measure of faith. And he's given the fruit of the Spirit. And he's given gifts of his Spirit. He has loaded us, loaded us with talents as it were, to be traded into his, in his kingdom. Now the word talent here denotes a considerable sum. A talent is 6,000 denarii. A denarii was one day's wage for a laboring man in Jesus' day. So this is a lot. One talent. Even the guy who just got the one talent, this was equal, listen to it, to 19 years wages. Can you imagine that? And Jesus uses this phenomenal sum to get home to us that what he has entrusted us with is great. It's a lot, much more than perhaps you're imagining that you've got. By the way, that means the man with the five talents, he's got equal to 38 years. Sorry, the man with the two talents has got 38 years. The man with the five talents is equal to 95 years wages. That's how you like somebody to give you 95 years wages. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Eh? You listening, Clifford? <laughs> I could retire boy early, couldn't I? <laughs> That's a lot, isn't it? Oh, by the way, this has nothing to do with what I'm speaking about, but just why we're talking about this. All right, to take a little aside just for a moment. All right, can you pause that thought there? If your boss, uh, if you ever go to your boss for a raise, all right, John, are you listening? All right. You say, well, uh, you know, I'll not be hard on you. Just give me a penny today and double that penny tomorrow. And then double that the next day. In fact, just double that penny for 30 days and I'll be satisfied. I'll be happy. Your boss would be a big fool if he did it. You go home and you start counting that up in a calculator, you'd be a multi, multi-millionaire at the end of the month, by the way. You don't believe me? All right, try that when you go home. Now, switch that off, all right? 
Some of you have got your calculators out already. You've got your iPhones out and you're working that out already. All right. And so, that's what it denotes. But W.E. Vine, who was a Greek scholar, said an interesting thing. He said that the word that's used for talent here is the same word, the same root word, where we get the word for talent that we use. Now, when we think of talent, we're not thinking of money, sure we're not. We're thinking of abilities. We're thinking of gifts. We're thinking of what we can do physically and mentally and emotionally and everything. That's what we're thinking of. But Vine says it actually comes from the same word. So we can look at this as God's gifted us. He's given all of us abilities, talents. They're latent within us. And that's what he wants us to use. And we're privileged to have them, by the way. And oftentimes we don't really know how much we have got. But he has given to all of us. Now, all of us has got different abilities. We'll come to that in a moment. And so the first thing about stewardship is privilege. second thing is responsibility. In verse 14 and 15, he called his own servants. We belong to him. That gives us not just a privilege, but a great responsibility. We are not our own. We cannot do with our lives what we want all the time. We've got to do what he wants. Now he's gracious, and often he'll give you the desires of your heart. But we've got to put him first, and we've got to say, Lord, my life is yours from this point on. Whatever you want, that's what I want. That's what I'm going to do. This is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So here we are tonight, body and spirit. And it belongs to God. So we can't just do whatever we want with it, We've got to do what God wants. And this is responsibility. Notice here in the parable, he gives to one, gave to one five talents, he gave to another two talents, and then one got one talent. And it says in Matthew 25, verse 15, to each according to his own ability. Now this is God just being absolutely fair. Each according to his own ability. Their ability matched their responsibility. To the one he knew these servants, and to the one he gave the five talents, he reckoned he had more ability. So he gave more responsibility. And God will give us responsibility commensurate to our ability. He knows what each of us is capable of. He made us. He has given us gifts. Listen, every man on earth has got God-given gifts. This is what Calvin called common grace. In other words, everybody can do something. And God can take those gifts that he gives to every man that he's given you from the day you were born, and he can use them for his glory. Or he can give you spiritual gifts that you never had before. So God gives us according to our ability what he thinks we can handle. That's what he gives. He's not going to give us more than we can handle. But he gives us according to our own ability. 
In Romans chapter 12, Well, verse 3, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, but not all the members, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Notice that again. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And then it goes on to say what they are. So we're given according to the grace of God. We're giving according to our ability. God puts us in positions where he knows we can handle it. Now, we may think we can handle it. We may actually protest and say, God, I can't do this. If he asks us to do it, it's because he knows we can do it. Because he knows the level of our abilities. And so he knew what each servant was capable of. And so, in a sense, I suppose their amounts, even though they were different, but in a sense, they were equal. He's only asking them to deal with what they've got. He's not asking the one with the one talent he's not asking him because he knows he hasn't got the ability to come on with the five talents he just says work with the one you've got you've got five you work with that you've got two you work with that you do the best with the five do the best with the two do the best with the one and I'll be satisfied that's all we've got to do don't look at the one with the five and say well I'll never match up to that you're not supposed to you haven't got that ability you're not equipped that way you look and say well what can I do oh poor me I've only got one talent boo hoo <laughs> use that one talent that's all you've got to do if you use the one talent God's given you it'll just be the same to the master as the one with the five used his be no different in his sight so be encouraged tonight use that talent Luke 19 in the parable of the pounds that similar type parable the man who went away says occupy until I come in other words, take your opportunities. Use your advantages. Be constructive. Do something that has eternity in it. Do something. Be responsible. Know that it's for God's glory. When you do something knowing it's for God's glory, it doesn't matter how small it is, it's important to do it. I'll come to something a little bit later which I think is, is important for us to understand as well. Now, profitability. Profitability. God expects a return on his investment. He wants increase. He wants fruit. He wants his work to prosper. But it's going to take hard work and it's going to take faith and it's going to take diligence. Somebody said the only time success comes before work is in the dictionary. Other than that, you've got to work. Somebody else says that the only man got all his work done by Friday was Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> you've got to work hard. You've got to be diligent. 
I think it was Wesley who said, I'm going to work like all dependent on me and I'm going to pray like all depends on God. And I think if you can get those two things together, I think we'll do a good job. And so here's the five-talent man. And so while the master's away, he works hard. He's diligent. He does all that he can do. And by the time the master comes back, he's doubled it. He's worked really hard. He's been really diligent. He's doubled it. Here's the man with the two talents. He also works hard. He's also diligent. Not as gifted, not with the same ability as the man with the five, but nonetheless, he does all that he can do with what he's got available to him. And guess what? He doubles his too. But then there's the one with the one talent. And he went out and he dug a hole and hid it. One writer commented that this one talent man worked and sweated. He dug a hole. He worked and sweated to hide his talent instead of using that same energy to go out and trade with it. It's amazing how hard some people work at finding ways not to do any work on the kingdom of God. It's amazing. It really is. The excuses that people will give for not doing something for the kingdom of God. And so... Here's this man, he goes and hides it, and what does he say whenever the master comes back? Let's see what he said. In verse 24, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Now what a load of nonsense. If he really believed that his master was a hard man, if he really believed that he didn't reap where he had sown, if he really believed all of that, and he was as hard as man as he supposed to have been, then surely he would have done something with that talent. And this is why the master said to him, verse 26, his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Not only is he talking about his lack of wanting to do something, but he's talking about his very character. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I had not sown, gathered where I had not scattered seed? Well, if you really thought that, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have at least have received my own back with interest. So the talent was taken from him and given to the one who had ten talents. You see, God looks for a return on his investment. What was God's investment in our life? The blood of his own dear son. The life of his only begotten son. You could not make a bigger investment in anyone than that. You couldn't. That's what it cost God to invest in our lives. So it's right and it's proper that he should expect some kind of return on that investment. And this is what the parable of the talents is about. It's showing us stewardship in God's kingdom. I read this today and I thought this was interesting. 
These are definitely two five-talent men. John Wesley. I read this here. I want to go in a dark room and pull the blinds. John Wesley averaged three sermons a day for 54 years. In his work of evangelism, he traveled by horseback or by carriage more than 200,000 miles. His published works include four-volume commentary on the whole Bible, a four-volume work on church history, six books on church music, seven volumes of sermons. He also edited a set of 50 books known as the Christian Library. He was greatly devoted to pastoral work, taking on himself the care of all the Methodist churches, never rising later than 4 a.m., and seldom concluding his labors before 10 p.m. <laughs> I would say that's a five-talent man, wouldn't you? But boy, did he ever use those talents. Charles Spurgeon is arguably Christian's, Christian history's best-selling author, with more words in print than anyone else, living or dead. In all, he wrote 135 books, edited another 28. If we include pamphlets, the total number of Spurgeon's volumes rise to 200. His collected sermon stand is the largest set of any books by a single author in the history of Christianity. He did all this while suffering debilitating bouts of gout and depression. He called them fainting fits, by the way. Caring for an invalid wife who rarely got to church because she was an invalid. And reading an average of six books a week, preaching as many as ten times from Sunday to Sunday. And he once counted eight sets of thoughts passing through his mind at the same time while preaching. <laughs> he oversaw the work of dozens of charitable organizations he was seldom heard by fewer than 6,000 people, and on one occasion his audience numbered nearly 24,000. All this before the days of microphones and megachurches. He didn't have a microphone. He must have had some booming voice, eh? Those were five-talent men. Or, or, maybe they're two-talent men, but they used it to their full ability. Who knows? But I kind of think they're five talents. It's the only way I can console myself. I'm definitely a one talent, maybe a half a talent. Accountability. In verse 19, this man came back and he wanted to make accounts. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Paul said, It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's what's required. Faithful. Do all that you can do with what God has given you. That's all he asks. And that's what makes it all the same for us. Because he's not asking me to do what somebody else's has got with their abilities, because I can't do that. Just what I've got and what you've got. And if you do that, that's all he asks. That's all he asks. Romans, 12, sorry, Romans 14 and 12. So then, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. There's a sobering thought, isn't it? There's a thought that would make you break out in a cold sweat at night if you thought about it long enough. 
that each of us will one day give an account of ourselves to God. And he'll want to know, have you been faithful to do what I ask you to do? That's all. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll just close in a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Reading from verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each, take, let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds in this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss although he himself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. Now that's a sobering scripture, isn't it? So every one of us, not just the preacher, but every one of us one day will stand before the Lord and he'll look into our lives and that which was done with a pure motive, that which was done right, that which was done with a good heart, it will be rewarded, that which wasn't will be burned up. And you're just hoping that there's more left at the end of the burning, aren't you? That there's some rewards for us. And I believe that there will be rewards for us. God has got rewards. In chapter 25 of Matthew, this talent, this parable of the talents, listen what it says in verse 21. So his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter you into the joy of the Lord. And then verse 23, this is the one with the two taunts. His Lord said to him, exact same thing, listen it word for word. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And if the man with the one talent, listen to me, if he had went out and he had been working and diligent with his one little talent, he would have got the exact same reward. The master would have said the exact same words to him as he said to the one with the five and the one with the two. All was required that he was found faithful. Sadly, he wasn't and he didn't get his reward. You know, he says you're a hard man, an austere man. Our opinion of God will certainly shape how we work for his kingdom. And if we think God is generous and compassionate and merciful and loving, then we'll work all the harder. But if we get the idea that God's not for us and God's against us and he's waiting just to bop us over the head every five minutes, there'll not be much fun working for him. Sure they won't. But if we take joy in what we're doing, and say, Lord, this is a privilege. This is an honor. This is something that you've given me to do in my lifetime. I mean, what could be a greater privilege than that? Sir Christopher Wren was 
arguably the greatest English architect ever. Among the things that he designed and built was St. Paul's Cathedral. And one day, uh, a newspaper reporter, <clears throat> as it was being built, <clears throat> he stopped by and he saw some workers and he, he stopped three of them. And he asked the question, he says, uh, tell me, he says, what do you think about this? And the first one said, well, he says, I, I'm working for three shillings a week. And the second one says, I put ten hours every day into this. And he asked the third one, the third one says, do you know what? I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren to build the greatest cathedral in Britain. <laughs> See, what a difference the way he looked at it. He was working for three shillings a week. He was putting in ten hours every day. But his vision was, I'm working for Sir Christopher Wren and I'm building the greatest cathedral that's ever been built in Britain. Now you can take the attitude of God, Lord, this is tough, this is hard, I don't know, you know, this is really, and I'm only, this is only getting this, and I'm only getting, or I'm building the kingdom of God. And I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of calling me to be able to enter in to the work and to do it for God's glory. And that makes all the difference to your stewardship. That makes all the difference of what you're going to do for the kingdom. When you think it's a privilege, it's an honor that God has called us the creatures of the dust. And he's trusted us and he's entrusted us with all kinds of gifts and abilities to build up his kingdom before he comes back. And he will come back. And he will personally interview each of us to see what we have done. But if we say, this is a privilege, Lord, this is a wonderful privilege, then we'll do it with a heart and a half, won't we? I mean, we'll just go all out and do it for the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's pray.